Welcome to the Soul of Islam radio podcast with Ahmed Saqanini and Ihsan Alexander. The time for the Islamic Renaissance is now. May the peace, the mercy, the blessings, and the light of the divine be upon us all. My name is Ahmed and I am a physicist, a poet, and deeply committed to the reawakening of the human mind and the heart through art, science, and spirituality. Ihsan is a spiritual coach committed to spiritual awakening within the Muslim community and beyond. He is the creator of several leading-edge coaching and online educational programs designed to cultivate greater awareness, spirituality, and success. You can learn more at his website, ihsanalexander.com. And you are listening to the Soul of Islam radio podcast. It is a weekly program dedicated to sharing the deeper dimension of Islam and supporting your personal growth and spiritual development. I am Ahmed, and I'm delighted to be here with my good friend and brother, Ihsan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Soul of Islam Radio. May Allah Almighty's divine peace and light and presence be with you and with your loved ones. Today's podcast is on the pitfalls of the path. You know, it might be hard to believe that there are dangers when walking the path of selflessness towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the idea or belief that we have arrived and have been saved from such dangers is only a construct of the human mind. The nafs, the self, is always there. And the level of consciousness and awareness can shift at any moment, causing the seeker to deter off, to regress, or to get trapped along the path. This is an extremely important topic because without enough awareness, without enough knowledge, without enough guidance, the very path that was originally designed for the transcendence or the dissolution or the dissolving of the ego, for the progress beyond ego consciousness and the nafs, can actually be used by the mind, by the ego, for its very perpetuation. The ego is continually seeking attachment, self-perpetuation and preservation, and if we're not careful, we can inadvertently, through the spiritual path, actually feed the ego. At this point, I would just say that the purpose of the path is not the path itself. And this will become more clear throughout this episode. The first thing we should do is remind ourselves of the real meaning and definition of the true path. But first, what is a path? And a path is a road that unfolds with each passing moment of one's lifetime and experiences of the cosmos. And everyone, every human mind and soul is on some kind of a path. And the path, the true path, is a path that at a given moment is oriented towards the truth, towards enlightenment of the human mind through a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, a path becomes the path of truth when it is pointed towards the divine. This means that everyone is on a path and everyone is walking. It is only with awareness of each passing moment that every step taken is a step taken on the path towards selflessness, towards annihilation of the self, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And walking the path is not to be taken lightly, and any knowledge of it comes with great responsibility. See, the aspects or the doors of the human mind are too many. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He reveals them to us and strengthen us and give us the ability to deal with self-realization and self-discovery. And because of the many aspects of the human mind, the lowest state of consciousness, nafsul ammara, will always try to find a way to claim anything to serve its own agenda, to serve its own wants. This means that when we sense that we are taking steps on the path towards Allah, nafsul ammara can sneak up on us at any moment. And if we allow our hearts to give in or to submit to the whims of the lowest state of consciousness, then the trajectory of our path is then changed. And this, this is the apex. This is the root of pitfalls from which many pitfalls come. And if anything, this is the reason why awareness of every passing moment is important. It is in a moment, and it only takes a moment for the orientation of the path to change. You know, subhanAllah, you know what is mind-blowing is that when we stand before Allah in every salat, in every connection, and begin each rak'ah, each cycle, with Al-Fatiha, which is the first chapter of the Qur'an, in which we say, mustaqim Guide us to the straight path. Allahu alam, Allah knows best, but maybe awareness of this very supplication could be the first step on a straight path free of pitfalls. MashaAllah, very well said, Ahmed. When we talk about the path or the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the revealed path can be summarized perhaps in two paths. One, the sharia, which literally means the way to water, to salvation. And two, tariqah, which also means the path or the way, the spiritual path within the sharia. In Islam, knowledge is essential. This is a path, it's a way, it's a way of life, it's a religion that is based in knowledge. Yet knowledge of the way, knowledge of the path, can actually become a veil to the path itself. And there is a fundamental difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Islam and the reality of Islam cannot be learned in a classroom. Yes, we can learn the basics, but they are just that. They are the basics, they are the forms. The essence of Islam is not learned in class. The reality, the essence of Islam can only be learned through life and through humility and through sincerity. And this was and is the way of the Prophet ﷺ. The path to Allah is not a path of the mind. Now, knowledge can point the way, but it cannot get us there. Although knowledge can point the way, it is the heart that must make that journey. One of the greatest errors on the path is the belief that knowledge can make one better than others. The Prophet of Allah ﷺ prayed, Allah increase us in knowledge, but to increase us in knowledge, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ prayed, Ya Allah, to increase us in knowledge, and to increase us in knowledge that benefits. So what type of knowledge actually benefits? The knowledge that truly benefits is knowledge that purifies the heart and not poisons it. We must remember that knowledge is a form and it is not the essence. It's one thing to know of Allah. It's entirely something else to know Allah. 
It's one thing to know how to pray physically. It's something else entirely to know how to be in a state of prayer, even through that physical ritual of prayer. It's one thing to make dhikr of Allah with one's tongue and to affirm la ilaha illallah. It's something else entirely to truly make dhikr of Allah in one's heart and to affirm la ilaha illallah that there is nothing but Allah with every fiber, with every cell of our body. We must not make the mistake of equating the form with the essence. Studying the forms does not make us any more pious or any more spiritual in and of themselves. For example, knowledge of the seerah does not necessarily give one the character of the Prophet ﷺ. It doesn't automatically provide us the humility, the love, the selflessness, the sincerity, the compassion that the Prophet ﷺ had. It can point towards that, it can lead towards that, but simply studying it, memorizing it, knowing it is not enough. The knowledge of tajweed does not inculcate in one its essence, the essence of the Qur'an, which is purity of character, humility, light, compassion, wisdom, fortitude, grace. The knowledge of worship, the knowledge of fiqh, doesn't bring one any closer to the experience of Allah. Only the proper experience can bring one closer to Allah, which is through sincerity, through humility, and through application of knowledge. Memorizing the divine names and attributes does not make us cultivate those qualities necessarily in our beings unless we apply them. The way that we get closer to Allah is by applying knowledge. One of the greatest pitfalls on the path is knowledge itself. Because when we remember that the goal of the path is selflessness, its sincerity, its humility, it's the cultivation of a character based in love and compassion and light and service to others, it becomes very easy to lose that in the accumulation of knowledge because knowledge can very easily lead to pride and self-righteousness. We must be extremely mindful that our knowledge and the study of our knowledge does not increase us in pride and in self-righteousness. If we think in the slightest that we are better than anyone else who is not praying properly, perhaps not reciting the Quran properly, perhaps not making wudu properly, and yet we've learned how to do so and we think that that makes us better, we must know that we are in danger of the greatest error there is in Islam, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness. It may be, the Prophet of Allah said, that actions are dependent upon their intentions. And if a person is praying thinking that they are praying properly, mashallah, reciting the Qur'an very beautifully, mashallah, and perfect tajweed, and there is arrogance and pride in the heart, that is not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It may be that the person who is reciting improperly, who is not even praying properly, who may not be making wudu in its perfection, it may be that their action is more acceptable in the Divine Presence because of their sincerity and their humility. If knowledge is not making you more humble, and unfortunately it very seldom does, then there's no benefit. We must be careful lest we fall into the way of Iblis, Shaitan. Did anybody in creation ever have more knowledge than Iblis? He had so much knowledge and perfection in his outward expression of religion that he was leading even the Malaika, the angels in worship. He was the Imam, but his knowledge, his worship, instead of making him more humble, made him more arrogant, made him self-righteous, made him filled with pride. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you cannot enter paradise with even an atom of pride in your heart. 
First and foremost, we must remember that the purpose of the path is the perfection of one's character, the development of humility, of sincerity, of love, of compassion, of forgiveness, of patience, which is ultimately about serving others. Knowledge is essential upon the path. However, that must not serve pride. That must not, The pursuit of knowledge must not increase us in self-righteousness. We cannot think we are better than anyone else who has more knowledge. We cannot think that we are better than anyone else who may have less knowledge than we do. And the best example of this is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed that the Prophet of Allah, his messenger, was unlearned. He was not a scholar. He was not literate. He didn't read and write. He was the most humblest of human beings. A more recent example from my particular lineage of shuyukh, Sheikh Abdullah Faiz al-Daghestani, one of the great awliya, one of the great scholars of Islam, yet he himself was also unlettered, unlearned. And he had in his presence, coming to his associations, scholars, great ulama, great scholars would sit in his associations, great learned men, but they knew that he had something that they did not. A deeper level of sincerity and piety and humility in the presence of Allah. Remember, knowledge, real knowledge, is not what is in the mind, but it is light in the heart. Knowledge is a light that is placed in the heart that is a gift, it's a grant from Allah Almighty. The goal is Allah's presence. Do not let your knowledge become a veil from Allah's presence. MashaAllah, Brother Hassan. That's beautiful because there's two things that you mentioned. You know, knowledge itself. We we here in this secular world, many of us have been programmed to think that the accumulation of knowledge would lead us to Gnosis. When knowledge is the result of Gnosis, we, we don't have the awareness of this very truth and we tend to fall in this trap in trying to accumulate as much as we can so that we can know. And mashallah, the other thing that you mentioned was the arrogance. You know, subhanAllah, the, if anything, the first story that we are taught since we are children, the first story of man is the story of Iblis not bowing down. If anything, there's so much wisdom in that being the very first story of man. The fact that it was arrogance that stopped Iblis to bow down. It was pride. And Alam, maybe arrogance, maybe pride is the biggest pitfall of all. Because in arrogance, there is absence of awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the path towards Allah is a path based on constant awareness and remembrance. We cannot say this enough here on Soul of Islam Radio. It is said that one must occupy the mind with dhikr, with remembrance, until the remembered manifests himself, and calling him to memory is effaced in the actual recollection of him. And in that state of mind, one is in the divine presence. And what is that? but the very purpose of our entire existence. And what pitfalls do is that they deter us from the path that lead us to divine union. A pitfall will appear in such a way that a mind that lacks awareness will not be able to identify it as such. In other words, a pitfall 
on a path is concealed from those who are not in a state of remembrance. And this is not because the pitfall has the ability to conceal itself, but rather the consequence of a human mind that does not reflect, contemplate, remember, and connect is a veil between it and the very pitfall. Now, this can sound very confusing and abstract, but the essence of what we are trying to convey is that the human mind has been given the choice of what it is it wants to see on any given path. We, it is we, that we place the veils between us and the essence and reality, and not the other way around. Now, subhanAllah, one of his attributes is mercy. He is the merciful. And one out of a hundred parts of this very attribute of mercy has descended upon dunya, upon our world, and this mercy manifests in numerous ways. This mercy manifests itself when it comes to walking the path and identifying the pitfalls. It is because of the mercy of Allah that He instilled an instinct that is felt in the human heart and heard as an echo in the mind. This instinct is what Muhammad وسلم, said when he said, Istafti qalbak. Ask your heart for guidance, ask your heart for advice. When walking on the path, a pitfall can appear at any given moment. And the instinct, the divine instinct, can act as a guide only if followed. And subhanAllah, tuning into the instinct itself requires awareness. Again, awareness comes up so many times. So if one feels an instinct when in a particular situation, to make sense of the very instinct, it requires tuning in and listening. And what could be heard and understood, for example, is the instinct as a call to avoid a situation or to reveal the essence of a situation as a pitfall. So in essence, we should focus on the instinct and not on the pitfalls since it can guide us and reveal to us what hides behind veils. And what is the instinct but our higher self, our divine given spark, calling on to us with every moment to remember what truly matters. And all of this is possible if we choose to walk with Allah. The lifetime of the human being is wrapped up in a single day. And if we focus on reaching perfection, and excellence through awareness in one day, we can then carry over what we have achieved to the next day and the next. See, the secular world tries to shove the notion of perfection being an impossibility into our minds, when in reality, perfection is very possible. We are the ones who create excuses for ourselves. In essence, only to run away from responsibility and from confronting our own minds. If anything, the human mind can be a pitfall in itself if you use to distance oneself from reality. MashaAllah, very beautifully said, Ahmed. Mercy and awareness, subhanAllah. If the cultivation of mercy and awareness is not the very purpose of religion, then what is? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَا خَلَقْنَا الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِعَابُدُونَ Verily, I have created jinn and human beings for worship. It is worship, it is ibadah that gives our souls power and light, particularly when experienced and practiced properly with sincerity, with humility, and with presence. Yet, just as with 
pride from knowledge, we must take great care that we do not develop pride from our worship, that we do not allow the ego to grow in the idea of self-righteousness that is not the way of the Prophet Our worship must increase our love and our light, our humility and our sincerity. Otherwise, it is harmful. And we can go again back to the example of Iblis. It is said that there is not a space, the width of a hand upon the earth in which he did not make such, in which he did not make prostration to Allah Almighty. If anybody is proud of their worship, did they worship, did you? If anybody feels proud in the level of worship that they're offering to Allah, let them remember that it is not even a drop in the worship of Iblis. So if your worship is sufficient to earn you Allah's favor, let us remember the example of shaitan, the cursed one. His worship didn't increase him in sincerity and humility and increase him in pride, arrogance, and self-righteousness. It did not increase him in iman, it increased him in kufr. This is a very important lesson for us as Muslims in general, but specifically for those seeking to improve themselves. Because this is one of the pitfalls, this is one of the traps of shaitan, to have us follow in his footsteps. It's very easy to learn and to practice and to think then that that is better or more valuable than anybody else. It's very easy to think that I'm wearing hijab and -and so-and-so is not, so I feel a little bit better about myself. I'm observing Allah's commandments and they are not, or to fast, or to pray, or to grow a beard, or to wear sunnah clothing, anything. Our ibadah cannot and must not increase us in arrogance, in self-righteousness, in pride. And our ibadah can never get us to paradise, period. It will be nothing but the mercy of Allah that gets us to paradise. And they asked the Prophet, not even you, Ya Rasulullah? He said, not even me. And he worshipped more than anybody. Allahumma salli ala Sayyid Muhammad wa ala Sayyid Muhammad. It is the mercy of Allah that will grant us peace, security, safety in eternity, the divine oceans of light and beauty in paradise. It is Allah's mercy that we must depend on. And the Prophet said that Allah does not have mercy on they who do not have mercy on others. One of the one of the results of worship and ibadah that is based in pride is that it actually makes us less available, less capable of serving fellow human beings. We cannot allow our ibadah to become a barrier to serving humanity and loving those and honoring those who are nearest to us. Remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in need, absolutely not in need at all whatsoever. Our worship, our ibadah does nothing for Him. And if we think we are doing something for Allah to the point that our worship is keeping us from those who actually are in need, we are not serving Allah. That's why the Prophet of Allah, Sayyidina Muhammad in San al-Kamal, the most perfect of creation, the best of guidance coming through him, mashallah, said that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, O son of Adam, I was sick and you did not visit me. And then the human being will ask, My Lord, how could I visit you when you are the Lord of the worlds? How can you be sick? And Allah will reply, My servant was sick and you didn't visit him. If you had visited him, you would have found me there. And then Allah will say, O son of Adam, I was hungry and needed food, but you did not feed me. 
And then the human being will ask, Ya Allah, how can I feed you when you are the Lord of the worlds, independent and free of hunger? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Did you not know that one of my servants was hungry, but you did not feed him? If you had fed him, you would have found its reward with me. And then Allah Almighty will say, O son of Adam, I was thirsty, but you did not give me something to drink. And the son of Adam, the human being, we who have neglected our brothers and our sisters, our families, our children, our wives, our husbands, our parents, our relatives, our community, humanity, will then ask, O Allah, how can we give you a drink? For you are the Lord of the worlds. And Allah Almighty will then say, Did you not know that one of my servants was thirsty, but you did not give him drink? If you had given him drink, you would have found its reward with me. Humanity is thirsty and hungry and in need more than anything of love and compassion. If we want to truly please Allah, if we want to truly draw closer to Allah, let us focus on serving our fellow beings, on giving them the love, the compassion, the care, the attention that they require. Let Allah's love flow through you. Wallahi, this will take you closer to Allah than any worship ever can. Many of the great shuyukh, many of the great awliya have said that your ibadah becomes worthless, invalid, if you harm or hurt another human being, if you neglect human beings, especially to hurt them in their heart and their soul. The very purpose of religion is to make us better human beings. The very purpose of worship is to cultivate love and light. But to make us better human beings for who? If not for one another. What is the point of knowledge and worship, of praying, fasting, reciting the Holy Quran, learning fiqh and tajweed, etc., if not becoming more loving, more compassionate, more kind, more loyal, more sincere, more humble, more present, more surrendered. This is how we get closer to Allah, by becoming, by manifesting His very attributes of compassion, mercy, love, light, generosity, concern, love. Are we worshipping? We must ask ourselves and we must be honest. Are we worshipping Islam or are we worshipping Allah? It's not the same. The entire purpose of religion, the entire purpose of Islam is love. If it is not serving that purpose, who needs it? And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, None of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Remember that Allah is not in need, but human beings are in need. And the purpose of Islam is nothing other than love. And in this statement, in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ is equating true belief with love with selflessness. What is more valuable? To worship day and night for months or years or to heal a broken human being's heart? Ask yourself, what is more pleasing to Allah? To stand in prayer from night to morning or to say a good word to your wife or your husband, your child, your friend, your associate, to smile in their face? What is more pleasing to Allah? What conveys Allah's light and presence more than that? What brings joy into other human beings' hearts than the love that you give them? Is that not more pleasing to Allah? Is that, is that not better dawah for Islam and for Allah Almighty's way? Just as knowledge can become a huge and dangerous pitfall upon the path, so can worship. The very things that were designed to draw us closer to Allah can be used by 
Iblis by Shaitan, and by the nafs for the opposite of their purpose. We must always seek to be sincere and humble and not to lose the path within the path. We cannot let the path become a veil to the path itself, a barrier to the true path. The true path is about increasing more than anything in love. MashaAllah, Brother Hassan, we are beginning to realize that on the path towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are dangers. And if one, if the self lacks the awareness and the connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the human soul cannot overcome these dangers, these pitfalls, and finds himself or herself in a trap. Now, we can sit here and list all the different kinds and types of dangers that one could face in one's own lifetime. But but instead of trying to list these different dangers of the path, it is more helpful to recognize that at the end of the day, there are only two types. A type that deters one away from the path towards Allah. And an example of that would be uh, the physical world acting through one's desires and passions. And the other type of danger is a form of regression or absorption along the true path itself. It is said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the universe, spreads before the ones who walk the path towards him the degrees of the kingdom as a test, which are appointed to the seekers as an obligation. And if a seeker becomes enamored of any of the worlds or realms that Allah reveals, then the seeker can become trapped in that world, can become trapped in that realm. See, the point of seeking is to continue walking because the objective, the the goal, is to be mindful of the one laying the path before us and not the path itself. We have to abandon the very path as we walk it. We are not meant to create identities from the path we walk because such identities veil us from the truth. The path is a means to Allah. It is a bridge. And not only that, the path towards Him is an ascension through degrees of wonders and openings into different realities that a human mind cannot wrap itself around at the lowest state of consciousness. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create openings for us all. Allahumma ameen. You know, if Allah bestows a gift upon us, we should thank Him and never allow the very gift to diminish our awareness of Him. We shouldn't get lost in the different stations and degrees and what each has to offer because the ego is always trying to find a way to fulfill its wants. And subhanAllah, the gifts that are being referred to are out of the ordinary. They are gifts that would be thought of as myths or fairy tales from a secular perspective. You know, let us think back to Isa alayhi salam. He reached a station of selflessness where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed him to walk on water. What is that but a gift of that very station? SubhanAllah, Maryam alayhi salam, when Zakariya alayhi salam would visit her, he would find her with food given to her by the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, what is that but a gift of the station she was in? And Allah mentions their stories in the Qur'an only to show us what is possible for us. 
And walking on water and having the universe feed us are only the tip of the iceberg of what Allah offers his seekers. And again, what he offers are of his generosity and his way to test and challenge us. Allahu Akbar. Salatu salam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Beautifully said, Ahmed. MashaAllah. Regression. We must be mindful that we do not go backwards upon the path, that we keep walking and moving forward. And remembering that when we take to a path, it is in reality a beginning. It is the beginning, not the end. Pitfall number three that is essential to mention here is attachment and identification with the path itself. Not only is this common, but it is pervasive, and it is one of the greatest veils upon the path to Allah. One of the greatest veils of the path to Allah Almighty is attachment to the path, attachment and identification with the path itself, or a path, or a teacher, or a guide, or a sheikh. The path and any real sheikh is there to guide and lead upon that path to a destination, to the destination, which is beyond the path and beyond the sheikh. There is no real sheikh that is calling people to himself, nor to attachment to a path. They provide a path, a means, a wasila to walk upon, to travel upon. But like Ahmed said, we must walk the path and we must keep walking the path. We must not identify with the path. And the Prophet ﷺ said, be in this world as a traveler. Travel through this world. Do not build your home upon it. When we identify with and attach ourselves to a path, in essence, we are building upon that path, a home for ourselves. This is one of the greatest tricks of the ego to keep a human being stuck and misdirected, misguided. This is the way the ego and the nafs uses the very path designed for its annihilation for instead for its perpetuation and aggrandizement. Do not take pride and do not identify with your path or your sheikh in a way that supports the ego. When we with pride refer to my sheikh or my tariqa, we are making a mistake. My indicates ownership and attachment by definition and is by definition extension of the self. Who is yours? Who is mine? Any real sheikh is Allah's, not ours. Any path is for Allah, not for us. We must do our best to follow, to learn, to apply, and to develop sincerity and humility. This is the way of the Prophet ﷺ. The way of tariqah, specifically, is not the creation of a cult. Rasulullah, Sayyidina Muhammad ﷺ, did not have followers. He had companions, ashab. There's a big difference. He didn't have adorers and admirers, worshippers. He had sincere seekers who were walking the path with him, and he led by example. That is what made him beautiful. That is what made him great. It was his humility and his sincerity that made him beautiful, that made him loved, that made people to follow him, nothing else. It was the fact that he was a man among men that made him so beautiful because on the surface he was just like everyone else. But in his heart and soul, subhanAllah, Rasulullah wasallam, in Allah's divine presence, Ya Allah, to have been of such a high station, to have been of such a rank, to have been in such nearness and transcendence of this world and yet to have been so humble, to have never set himself apart from other men. He was so simple and so humble 
that his companions begged him just to just to create a mound of dirt for him to sit on so that when people came they would at least know who was the messenger of Allah وسلم, and this is why we are called Muslims and not Muhammadans likewise we must take great care of identifying strongly with any label yes you may be following the Naqshbandi lineage of Shuyukh or the Shadali Tariqa or the Chishti Tariqa or the Qadiri Tariqa or the Ba'lawi Tariqa or any other Tariqa but you must take great care to not use that as an identity that serves the ego and this is why one of the greatest Shuyukh of our age of our era Sayyidi Sultan Al-Awiyah Shaykh Nazim Qadasallahu Sayyiduhu May Allah bless him Rahmullah Alayh in 2011 actually said to stop abusing the name of the Naqshbandi order he spent his whole life promoting tariqa and tasawwuf, traditional Islamic spirituality, and towards the end, he was near to disbanding it because of the abuses that he was seeing taking place. He said, just go back to Islam, call yourself Muslim, be Rabbani, which means to be for Allah, not for the world. How many people understood? How many people understand? Instead of getting the real meaning, Many began to call themselves Rabaniyun, an even greater identity than previous. Subhanallah. The ego is with us every step of the way and will be with us to the very end. And the path is the path of humility and surrender and sincerity to the very end. Transcend identification with the very purpose of Tasawwuf, the very purpose of Tariqah, the very purpose of Islam and spirituality and religion is the transcendence of the self the transcendence of this temporal egoic identity. Walk the path. Don't identify with it. It is useless. There is no passport to paradise other than sincerity. The path, like Ahmed said, is meant to lead beyond itself. This is, by definition, the meaning of a path. It is meant to take you somewhere so that at some point you can leave it behind. You must leave it behind if you're going to get to your destination. The path is not the destination. So we must be careful of our hidden and subtle intentions and our language. Proudfully using terms like my sheikh, my tariqa, is from ego. Follow a sheikh and follow a tariqa in sincerity and in humility. Otherwise, we are missing the very point. In addition to knowledge becoming a veil, worship becoming a veil, Attachment and identification with the paths itself becomes yet another veil. Be a traveler. Keep walking. Don't build your house upon this plane of existence. Attached to nothing. Love Rasulullah Love your Shaykh. Love your guide. And follow him. Truly walk as they walked. Now the one who knows himself knows his Lord. And walking the path is how Allah reveals the many aspects of ourselves to us. See, self-realization and self-discovery are continuous as long as we are breathing. And, and just like Brother Hassan pointed out as knowledge being a veil, knowledge of the self can be a trap as well. And how could this be when that kind of knowledge draws one nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? See, the aspects of the human mind are like 
doorways, there are like secret chambers and if Nafsul Amara, the commanding self, the ego, gets a hold of these keys or finds out about these doorways, then it will use them to serve its own agenda. An example would be that of a kingdom overthrown by an evil king or an enemy getting hold of the keys to the kingdom. But what the ego doesn't realize is that it's driving itself towards its own destruction. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of everything, created us, the human beings, from one ocean of consciousness, from one nafs, from one self. And knowledge of the self is knowledge of a soul, which means that this knowledge can be used to manipulate others for the sake of serving the one doing the manipulation. But Allah is aware of such happenings. And because of His wisdom, the power behind such knowledge diminishes, leaving the knowledge as a veil. All of this is an example of the dangers one could face when walking the path towards Allah. But again, they only become dangers when one doesn't overcome them. And overcoming them are the tests. See, life without these tests are meaningless. You throw gold into the fire to know it's gold. And wallahi, without these challenges and being in a state of not having all of the answers, the human being would shrivel up and die. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling us to find Him, to know Him, to return to Him. And what a blessed opportunity it is. Let us all cultivate the awareness, bring the jewel of seeking to the surface, avoid the dangers and pitfalls that deter us from our path and trap us along the way. Let us have certainty in knowing that Allah is the one who created the universe. Nothing is impossible for Him. We all have been gifted the divine spark. Our hearts are beating to it. With it, we can transcend this physical world. And so if the breath of Allah, if the breath of the divine is inside of us, then anything is possible. Allahumma salli ala Sayyid Muhammadin wa ala ala Sayyid Muhammadin wa sallam. In conclusion, there is inherent danger upon the path. When we take a path, when we take to the path, it comes with its own perils, its own trials, its own tribulations, its own tests. We must not allow our knowledge, our worship, or our attachment to the path itself, whether to a tariqah or anything else, any group, any collective, even our shuyukh, we must not allow these things to be used by the ego to perpetuate itself, to augment its sense of self. We must not allow the path to become the very veil that bars us from Allah's divine presence. That would be a tragedy. The purpose of the path is not the path. And with regards to the various turuk, the various schools of Islamic spirituality, be it the noble Naqshbandi tariqah, the Shadali order, the Chishti order, the Qadri order, the Ba'lawi order, the many, many different turuk that exist. They are noble paths designed, meant to lead a human being to their greatest potential, to the realization of their true divine purpose, ultimately into the divine presence of Allah, into the annihilation of the self, the transcendence of the self. If we have been fortunate enough to have been led to one of these great traditions, these great lineages that are connected directly back to the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu in an unbroken chain, in an unbroken lineage. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us the wisdom, the sincerity and the humility to walk these paths sincerely. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our master, our teacher, our guide, our leader, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu and the noble shuyukh who walked sincerely in his footsteps, the awliyaullah, who for 1400 years have kept the way alive. And may Allah Almighty inspire us to follow in their footsteps with sincerity and with humility. May we grow in light, may we grow in love, in compassion, in sincerity and service to our fellow human beings, to our brothers, to our sisters, to our parents, to our families, to our wives, to our husbands, to our children. That is what brings us closer to Allah. The purpose of the path is love. The purpose of Islam is love. May our walking the path increase us in love, in sincerity, and in humility. May Allah Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, your loved ones, your family, inspire your heart with His light and guidance, with the true and blessed way of the Prophet and the Salihin, the Siddiqeen. May He subhanahu wa ta'ala awaken our ummah, awaken us to the truth and reality of Islam the truth and reality of this blessed and beautiful path that was designed to lead humanity to its perfection and its excellence, that was meant to lead to the greatest manifestation of human culture. Thank you for joining us. Allah Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and guide and forgive us all. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Allahumma ameen, Allahumma ameen, may Allah bless you wherever you are in the world. May Allah create openings for us all, openings of awareness of each and every passing moment so that we may draw near, so that we may have a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah wake us up before we die. And this brings us to another episode of Soul of Islam Radio. Thank you again for tuning in and for supporting this work. And please continue supporting the Soul of Islam Radio by liking us on Facebook and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes. For more information and if you feel inspired to support uh, this work, you can make a donation on our website at soulofislamradio.com. To learn more about our projects and our work, visit my website at ahmedsakamini.com and ihsans at ihsanalexander.com. And with that, may the peace, the mercy, the blessings, and the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon us all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.